Welcome back to the Entry Level Podcast. I'm Sarah Dudley, and I'm here with my co-host, Lindsay Bernard. This podcast, as you know, is where we talk about entry-level experiences in many forms. Careers, relationships, business, side hustles, money, travel, and so much more. Really, it's because we believe that if you're always learning and growing, then you're always going to be entry-level at something. And so this week is going to be a very personal topic between me and Lindsay. And so we're talking about making a job and or industry change. So if you guys have been listening for a little while, you know Lindsay and I are, I don't know what, 10 years into our careers at this point. So we've, we've done some things, we've learned some things, and I think we're both kind of at an interesting intersection, I guess, of our careers where we're starting to think about what are we doing next? Are we where we want to be? What's the next step for us kind of thing? And so we've both made changes in our jobs recently. Um, me just internally within my company, Lindsay making a much bigger change in what she was doing. So I'm going to let Lindsay talk a little yeah. bit about that to start us off. And we're just going to dig into a little bit about what that process is like when you get to that point, you know, the ups and downs, how to make the decision around, do I do this? Do I not do this? And, and all the the stress and anxiety that comes with that. So yeah, absolutely. So guys, this is obviously, it's kind of interesting to flip this back on me because, you know, I think throughout the, at least the last 10 or so episodes, I've, I've made comments kind of like, you know, you get to a point where you're just not quite sure what you want to do. And that's the place I was in. And I was in that place for about a year. And so I think I just want to give you guys a little bit of the backstory about where I am now. And so when I left, I was, I I shared with you guys, I was at my first company for about seven and a half years and I worked my way up through that program and I met my best friends and I, you know, it was like basically the best job you could have, the best company and best job you could have asked for. Um, to start out in a career. When I went to this, the company I currently just left or I just left actually. Um, I, I took the job because the company was a very well-known company. It was one of the biggest ones in the, if not the biggest one in the cybersecurity industry. And to be able to get that type of title on my resume, I was at a young age. I was 27 or 28 at the time. I or 28. I thought, okay, this is, um, I thought this is a really good, you know, move for me. And I had heard, so lesson number one, I had heard a lot about the company. I had heard kind of what the culture was like, and I had heard the type of people that worked there, but I was like, you know what? I've worked my way to this point and I am going to do this change. So when I first got to the company, I was the youngest one on my team by 11 years. Um, and what the, I noticed that right away and, and that wasn't unusual to me. That wasn't, you know, a red flag because I'd usually been the only girl or the youngest one on teams moving forward. But the difference was I noticed instead of a positive connotation to it, like at my old company, people would be like, wow, like you, you have this job and you're your age. This is great. This had almost a negative instant negative connotation to it where I could sense like a vibe right away that they were like, how did she get this job? Why is she here? And it was really unsettling, you know, it was, it, and this was literally week one. And I, so I, I was kind of like, okay, you've dealt with this before. Go back to the basics, go back to what you know. And I was paired up with an engineer, um, that in my 
in my job as an account executive, you're always paired up with an engineer who you guys go to meetings together and you do the sales part and he, the account management part and he does the technical parts. And, you know, I thought he would want to work with me and I've never had anyone at a company not want to work with me or, or think that they wouldn't want to be paired with me or anything like that. And within two weeks, he kept constantly telling me, I don't, we're never going to make money. We're never going to do this and do that. And I finally got to the point where I was like, if you don't want to work with me, just tell your manager, you don't want to be my engineer. And now we're three weeks in and he went to his manager and told his manager, I don't want to work with Lindsay because she's so like, she's young. And I don't know if I don't trust that she can sell this portfolio. I don't trust that she can do this. And so this was a month into this new job and granted, I'm still 28 and I've never felt this before where it was so, it was so kind of negative off the bat and I was very thrown off, but I was like, you know what? I can come back from this and, um, I can come back from this and and the way to, the way to overcome this is to prove that is to prove that I'm worth the time. And so that's really what I focused on the first year. And I did prove it. And to the point where this one individual came up to me six or seven months later and he goes, I made a mistake. I was wrong. He actually apologized. So that was nice. But it didn't change the culture of the company. And what I mean by that was red flags were going off in my head that first month where I was like, this is weird. Like, you know, no one's ever been, you know, this negative or this. I've never been around people so, you know, just vicious about each other and about the company and about the management and about the products. Like it didn't matter what we were doing. I just felt like I was constantly around negativity, regardless of my team and I having a phenomenal year the first year. So that was like the number one red flag. And that was a month in. Um, As I kept going through that first year, I realized that there was an older gentleman on my team who was the out, you know, he was kind of he wasn't directly involved with just my business, but he was directly involved in the team's business. And I felt, and I felt like he was getting pretty nasty in his emails to me. And I would talk to him and he would kind of shut me down right away. And just really a really condescending tone every single time I talked to him. And it really started like, I have a good, I always tell people I have a good gut instinct. And especially when it comes to my career and especially about people And my gut was just telling me that something was off with this. Like, but I was, I'm not the type, and this is hard, Sarah, to like talk about, but, and you know this. So Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those girls who complains about men in the workplace. Like I'm not one of those female, like, and by the way, I think everyone should be treated equally, but I've never had that experience ever where men weren't supportive and like enabled me to be successful. I've never dealt with that. So when I get into this new company and all of a sudden it's like an engineer didn't want to work with me because of my age. And then I felt like this other coworker was just being so nasty to me because I was, I, I, I truly didn't know why it was really, it freaked me out. So I don't know if you've dealt with that, but like, it really freaked me out for a few weeks. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I actually was just having this conversation yesterday, to be honest, I've only experienced this a few times in my career and and we'll circle back to, you know, kind of the bigger, the bigger topic around here, like making that change. But I think like, it's an important side note to make when you're making a big change. It's scary, especially if you're a female, because if you're in a place where 
you're being supportive and you're being, you know, helped to achieve and succeed and you have mentors that are there for you and you have all that perfect storm of people and and the environment to help you grow and succeed. With work ethic, with your work ethic. It is really scary to consider the prospect of going elsewhere because you hear about this stuff and you maybe like, I'm lucky the company I'm in, I, I don't experience that stuff very often. Maybe once in my career have I actually truly experienced it. And I'm surrounded by amazing supportive people every single day. And I know, and I know there's a part of me that knows that. And I'm scared that if I were to ever change, yeah. that that would go away because I hear much, much worse things. And so to hear you say, like when you went to, was it a smaller company? Bigger company. Bigger company. Bigger. That big, big. it was actually even more of a problem. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, that went on, but I'm the type where I just do my job. I, I'm always focused on the next deal, the next engagement, the next thing I have to do. But what I started, so I had a good first year, but it got down to the end of the year and the same gentleman was, I, I, I basically found out that he had been sending some of my information of my accounts and some, some company, like account team information to people he shouldn't have been sending them to. And I found that out towards the end of my first year and it freaked me out so much that I, I've never done this. I actually started saving emails. He was, yeah. I was saving emails. He was, and I always wanted to have things in writing because I was just like, I didn't know what was going on. Well, you do that when you're feeling attacked yeah. or you don't have the trust that you should have with your coworkers. And my boss, who I actually really like, she, I never had worked for her before, but she was someone that I knew from the industry of, we knew the same people and you know, whatnot. I had shared this with her and she seemed to like understand where I was coming from, but nothing was being done. And so, but which is, and by the way, I didn't ask her to do anything, but it was hard because I'm like, you get to the point where you're like, oh, okay, you hear me, blah, blah, blah. So then, you know, we go into the second year and, you know, we, I did well the first year and, you know, the engineer that didn't want to work with me apologized uh, to me. And I thought that was good. And I went into the second year with, unlimited potential. Like I, I had built up my brand. I had built up my name, closing some, you know, some good deals and some high profile accounts for the company. So I got over that hump of Lindsay doesn't know kind of what she's, you know, we don't think Lindsay knows what she's doing. So I went into the second year, like full of energy. And it just so happened. And those of you who are in sales or those of you who kind of work with clients, understand that your year is basically can either be front end loaded or back end loaded, meaning your big engagements either happen the first six to eight months or the last six to eight months. And so it just so happened that my first year, everything was the second half of the year. And my second year was the first half of the year. So if you can imagine, that's like having your two biggest, your, your two busiest times back to back and busy times for us are on site every single day and almost entertaining every single, like every single night demoing and actually doing proof of concepts of the technology, which means you put the actual company's technology in the customer site and you're living in their data center doing testing, you know? So I went back to back with that situation and I came out the other side, but I had worked like a dog. I think you, Sarah can probably remember, like I was, I was constantly just gone all the time and things would come out of nowhere. And my whole summer was shot. And I, I said, and I said to my engineer, I was like, let's sacrifice our summer. You know, everyone says and say, you know, you hear this. And I know everyone who's listening has heard this, that summers the, and Fridays in the summer are sales reps favorite times because they just go golfing or summer's <laughs> the downtime for sales. And I will say sometimes that's true. 
I will say sometimes that is true. Not, it, it was not for me. Um, so we came out the other side, but during that time period, on top of just being extremely busy, the negativity just got so much worse and it just turned into this like chaotic time where I, I felt like I couldn't keep up with everything. The management was asking me for everything with my own business. But not only that, I felt like everyone was kind of pushing you. The culture of the company was pushing you to not succeed. And I saw it happening but I didn't know how to like get myself out of it. You know, I didn't know I saw it all happening, but when you're kind of an employee there and you're just, you don't know what to say or what to do. And so I, everyone around me was really negative on some company things and just product things and, and whatever. And I just found myself doing well, but just miserable. Like I would just I could, every day was like, I, I was someone who used to wake up and love work. Like I would wake up every single day and love work. And instead of that being me, I was waking up every day, just dreading my phone ringing. Like I would wake up to emails and texts at 5am and which I'm used to, but not with that just negativity, like cloud over it. It was always, you wanted to do it. And now I just dreaded everything. And so that was a huge, another red flag to me. But when you're in it, you don't think about it, you know, like you don't, Think, but the real, what really put me over the edge was I didn't take a vacation the entire, that, that entire time because I was so busy. Our friend, which we shared with you guys, got married in Italy last year. And it was the one week I took off. It was the one week I set everything up. And it was like, I couldn't even go on vacation without people interrupting, calling, needing me to do this, causing issues. And I remember that. And, I- there was one day where yeah. we were we were going to go to breakfast or something. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry. I need to handle someone's like meltdown first. Yeah. And <laughs> and the, the issue with that is the one week I think I really needed it to check out and really get my head on straight to get out of like this cloud of just negativity that was going on. And it was just followed me. And when that happens and when you when you are traveling, you know, for leisure and work kind of gets in the way, it it emotionally hijacks you for at least half the day. and. So that was a huge red flag. And so I basically ended in December and I thought, okay, now we're getting to the main part. But I thought I really need to do something else because I felt like my soul was being crushed. And this is the, these are, I told you that backstory because I wanted to get to this point of someone who loved work, loves what they do, dedicated everything to it. And I hated what I was doing and I was starting to resent what I was doing. And I also was questioning, and we've talked about this, Sarah, but I was questioning my own skills. Like I yeah. was, I was, I would, the negativity had just gotten to me where now I felt like I wasn't, even though I was doing well, I, like I felt like I, there was not like I was failing. And I felt like I, I got into this cycle of like trying to beat them, like beat the negativity or just, but then I'm like, wait, there was no way I could have beat it because that just was the culture in yes. the, in the rotation of the company. And I, and I missed that. And so that's a huge point I want to make was that I knew this was going on. Like i shared that with you, but I couldn't get myself to say it out loud. You know, yeah. I couldn't get myself to remove myself. From we've it. in a prior, I mean, I can't believe we, we've done over 30 episodes now, but in one of our first episodes, I talked about one of the hardest times in my career And it was working with someone who made me feel like that every single day. Like I knew I was doing far above my pay grade, essentially what I was doing for my job. But I just, I literally felt like crap every single day because he, this person 
would just make me feel that way. Like needed to elevate himself to the point where I felt like crap because I wasn't doing what he expected. And so that was a really hard time for me. I remember like, honestly, I feel like this is a very honest episode. Like very, just like going home and like crying it's almost crippling. every it's single crippling. day. It was just like a shock to my system to feel so inadequate when that had not been my experience in my career up to that point. And now looking back, I understand it was, it was that person's way of leading that was so flawed that, and it's like a, it's a weird dynamic because in some ways I learned a lot about myself in that process. However, I would never, ever want to be that kind of a leader. And so it's, it's almost like a catch 22 because in some ways, I'm glad I had the experience. In other ways, though, it's like it damages you in some yeah. ways. And you have to get it. You can only do it so long, which is, I think, what you're getting to. Yeah. And, and what led you to your next step. Yeah. And so we're kind of at the point now where I took a – so our end of fiscal year actually was the end of March. But I had always said I believed in the company. So I, I believe that from a, you know, from a cybersecurity standpoint, and I, and I said this to my customers and I said this to a lot of coworkers, I would never leave this company and stay in cybersecurity because this is the place you need to be. But I also, I'm very driven and I've always had ambition of doing a lot of other things. I just didn't necessarily know what those things were. So I started looking, I, I made the decision in December when I had gone home for Christmas and I was kind of just like relaxing. And my mom, who doesn't know anything about what I do, she literally thinks I'm an electrician. I mean, she, I love her, but she, you know, we don't talk about work. She doesn't, she's not in corporate. She doesn't understand, which is fine. She said to me, she goes, usually when you come home, you know, around Christmas time, you're in a good mood because usually you are like, you get your deals wrapped up and you kind of have, a, you know, a little bit of a break. And this time, I just, she goes, you look like a ghost. She goes, you don't look good. And, and she never makes comments like that. And she also never makes comments about how I look because I get mad at her. So <laughs> I knew that she really meant it from a place of, and I thought about it and, I, and she was absolutely right. And I was, and I would sit with a lot of, I realized that what I was doing, and we talked about this on the imposter syndrome episode, but what I found myself doing was I wasn't talking to the people that know me and the people that mentored me. And the people that I care about, and I hadn't done that since for years, years ago, I hadn't done that for years. And that's, and I realized like, you're doing what you do. You're shutting down and you're in like, you're, you're in your own head. You need to take a step back. And so I made the decision, like, I need to start researching what I want to do. Um, and so that's kind of what brings us to this, you know, the final point of this episode is like, I really took a step back and I started looking at all different industries. I knew that. I could text people and call people and my reputation and my numbers and things would, when it came to cybersecurity, I was like, I I could get a job quickly. I could leave, but I didn't want to just do that. I wanted to really figure out, okay, do I want to be an account executive? Do I want to do something else? And so that's kind of the first point I wanted to make was I didn't know. And so I started going down the interview process for different types of jobs. And there were interview process that, I had never been through before because it was a totally different type of job. And I, and I found myself not thinking I was going to get offers from these, from, for these specific positions, but then I was getting kind of verbal offers and things. And I, and then that freaked me out because I'd take a step back and be like, wait, do I really want to do this job or am I just doing this? Cause I'm so unhappy here. And so I made sure that I expanded my scope. And so I think that's one of the points we wanted to make was, 
So I stopped pigeonholing myself to say, okay, I don't want to do this necessarily, but I started researching and interviewing at all different types of companies, small, bigger companies, different industries, different technologies to really feel like I wanted to be inspired and and, and passionate again about what I was doing. And so I went on a lot of interviews. I withdrew from some, some, I just, you know, we didn't follow through and, you know, I got to the point where I went, I always say, and I think I've even said it on one of these episodes, like what you want to do never works out the way you think, but you get there, you know, it's never the way you think it's going to happen. 1000%. Yeah. And so I withdrew from a job that everyone kind of thought I was going to take. And I, and I went through a month and we have, we have an episode coming on it, you know, an interview process, but I mean, it was a a two month and it was so many interviews. It was, I, I would say probably over 14 interviews for a position. I wasn't even sure that I wanted. And so that kind of opened my eyes to like, it showed me like, okay, no, you like what you're doing. You just, you're not passionate about it anymore. And so that really helped me get to the point of like, figure, like figuring out what I want to do next. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. I mean, your experience, I think has definitely been and one that many can probably relate to and learn from. I think, you know, when you get to that point of just extreme dis- dissatisfaction in yeah. what you're doing, it takes a major mental toll on you. It takes like, it just starts impacting every area of your life because you're so unhappy with, with where your career is at. And it's such a big part of your life. When you think about work, like, you, I mean, at least for me, I know I'm always connected to work in some way. And so when it's such a negative aspect of your life, it, it takes a major toll. And for me, and I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I, I did make a change in, in what I was doing uh, recently, not to the extreme that you have. It was more of like, I'm ready for growth. I'm ready to expand my skill set. I'm ready to do more. And so, you know, for about six months, I've just been pushing to kind of take that next step. And I, I explored a few different avenues within my company, but ultimately ended up in the same team doing a different role. And I will say though, that staying within, within the same team was an active decision. And it's because like, no, no other time at my time at this company have I felt such like a connection with the team and the company that yeah. I'm with. And that makes, and many people say this all the time, like, you don't, you don't, what, I don't know the exact phrase, but like, you don't quit a company, you quit, quit, quit your manager. You quit your manager. You quit, you quit your team, you quit whatever you quit it is. You quit the technology. You quit, quit the culture. Yep. You, you don't quit the job. And so for me, that feels very real because I love the environment and the team that I'm in right now. And so I didn't necessarily want to leave my team. I would have if I had to, to progress, but I didn't want to. And so luckily the two meshed and I was able to, to kind of, to progress into something different and challenging for me, but not leave behind that core element. And so, but I think for you, what you're saying is like, that wasn't an option for you. And so that's why you had to. It was like, I had to, I had to take a step back and remember what I loved about his, like I was, it was so negative. I forgot why I was even good at the job. Like, you know, I just, I, I forgot what I loved about it. And, but when I was interviewing for these kind of jobs that I didn't want, I was like, okay, so that helped me figure out, okay, it's not the job to your point. But what I realized what I was missing was what made me so successful in wanting to get up to work the last seven and a half years at my first company was the progression. Like I was on a trajectory and I was working towards something and I knew that next step. And I loved the team. You know, I loved the technology. I loved the team. 
and I saw a progression. I had something to work towards for a personal gain. And what I, when I took, when I looked at the spot I was in, I'm like, okay, I don't like the, like, to me, I like my, some of my, by the way, my engineers, listen, I love you guys. So I love my engineers, <laughs> but I don't like the culture. You know, I don't like the culture and the surrounding team. Yeah. Like, I don't really, I'm kind of sick of the technology, to be honest. It doesn't excite me anymore because I've done it now for almost 10 years, like to your point. Yeah. And I just, I, I wasn't working towards anything. And I remember even saying, oh, when I take this job, it's like a two to three year gig and I'll travel and oh yeah, I've done that. And I still don't like it because I'm not working towards anything. I'm not like, and, and that doesn't motivate me. So I realized I was like, whoa, 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 you need to figure out what motivates you. So I am happy after a very extensive um, process of really, and I wanted to share this with you guys because it's not easy. And this was a year, pro- this was probably an eight month process for me where it's a I, long process. you have to like yeah. get yourself ready and your confidence is so shaken. Like, you, you know, you're, when you're looking for a new thing and And so it was really hard for me to rectify everything. And so I started interviewing at startups. I'd never worked at a startup before, but my energy and what I can bring to a startup, I knew was that's what it passions, like helping people and and everyone working towards a common goal. And as I started interviewing with startups, I was like feeling, okay, this is what I need to do. This is like getting excited. Every interview I was going on was exciting. And I finally, it one clicked with me, which was, like I said, outside of cybersecurity, but still in the tech market. And it, and I met the COO who used to work, was an executive at one of my old, my older company. And I succeeded in the program he built. So I'm like, I trust you. And I know what you're building here. And I know that it's a progression and I know what I went through or, you know, how I built my career can help here. Like I can work towards something. And so I am, I am making the jump to go to a startup and I'm really excited about it, but it's not without, you know, now I feel like the, you know, I was telling Sarah, like my, I just feel like everything's been lifted off my chest. Like I can kind of breathe again. But when I look back to the last two years, I regret not trusting my gut originally. I regret, you know, I can look back now and think, wow, all these like negative things, feeling targeted, feeling like you didn't have support from your management and your leadership, feeling and knowing it was wrong, what was going on, but you don't want to be that person. You never want to be that person no, who complains. No. You never want to be that person who says anything. And I, and I'm, and I knew so early something was off, but I didn't. And I just wanted to keep fighting it. Yeah. And no, I, you have to make that decision. And I think you brought up two really important points, which is one, the, the amount of time it can take to make a change. And I would absolutely echo that. I feel like for me, if you, when Literally, actually, someone asked me a year ago, like, what's your next step? And I was like, oh, no, like, I'm not, not, not ready for that yet. I'm, I'm happy where I am, happy what I'm doing. But somewhere along the line in the last, you know, six months, I was like, okay, now I am ready. And then you start having those conversations, but it still takes time. So it takes time for you to be ready for the change. It takes time for people to help progress that change. So you, it, like, this stuff can take time sometimes, especially if you work in big companies. The second thing you brought up was networking and the power of networking. Mm-hmm. You got a new job because, obviously, because of your own skill set, mm-hmm. but but also because you had this connection to someone from your prior job, your prior roles. And I think whenever it has come to new jobs, new opportunities, new anything, I would say, for me at least, in my experience, almost 100% of the time, it is driven through some kind of networking opportunity. Someone sees you speak at an event, somebody knows you through someone else, somebody recommends you, 
because they used to work with you and they're like, oh, I thought of you when I, when this role came up, I would say huge, huge, huge component. So never burn the bridges if you can help it. It's so true. And because you never know down the line, even if that person leaves the company and it happens all the time, I know so many people who leave, who have left my current company and have gone on to do other things and you know, who knows when our paths will cross again. You just want to be careful about burning bridges when you move to new yep. roles. And, and the other thing too, is that, I mean, I was talking more about my situation, but my, uh, a very senior, I mean, I'm 30, I've told you guys, but I brought over a very senior rep who's in his fifties, who I used to work with to the same company. And he's going through this too. So it doesn't matter if it's a girl, a, you know, a woman or a man, it does not matter. It's like, when you're in that negativity of a culture and it's affecting your ability to, I, I basically, I, I keep joking and saying my soul was crushed and the things that made me the professional that I was, I felt like I wasn't able to execute one because of the culture and two, because of the role and three, just because of my own, like my own net, my own thought process was I wasn't good enough. You know, I, I get into that. We talked about it with imposter syndrome. Like you get down on yourself. And so I'm like, I, I was telling Sarah when she, you know, when she came over to even record this episode, I'm like, I just feel like a new, per- I feel like myself again. And it was like when I resigned and made and, and signed at this new company, the amount of people who have reached out and said, we have been waiting for you to make a, we, I sorry, hit the table. I'm sorry if you heard that, <laughs> but the amount of people who, reached out to me and said, we have been waiting for you to make a move like this. Like, this is exactly what you should be doing. You're like, you are going to be so good here. Like it really made me feel better because I've been feeling so bad, you know, like I've been two years just feeling so bad about myself that it really helped. So, you know, I know I rambled a little bit, but I really wanted to give you guys that I'm a confident person. I'm a professional And I can go through this. And so I know everyone can go through this. And so I wanted to share with you kind of what I went through because I know that I'm not the only one. And regardless of where you are in your career, if you had success early or you're having success now, or you see yourself having success in the future, you're always going to get into these scenarios where this could happen to you and really trusting your gut and realizing this isn't a fit for you for a lot of different reasons is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. Like I thought it was a bad thing and I was trying to fight it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's, it, I feel like for people, it really should be something that happens every, every few years, you know, you really should be taking stock. We have, we have a mantra. I don't know if it's a real mantra, if it's just made up, but it's like new every two. Like if you're not shifting and learning new skills or doing something different, whether it's a new role or a new title or whatever it is, every two years, by, by the time you've been doing something for two years, you're, it, you're ready for something else. You're ready to be challenged yeah. in a new way, you're ready to do something different. So really like, Or new responsibilities. Yeah, new responsibilities, whatever it might be. But like if you've been doing the same thing and you are so comfortable in doing that, that you're not ever having these internal conversations of like, am I happy here? Am I challenged here? Am I on the right path towards what I want to be? Do I feel good doing this? Like, or do I hate my life? every? If you hate your life every single day doing the job that you're doing, it is time to seriously reassess. And people have so many arguments about why that's not valid or whatever. Like, oh, life's meant to be miserable. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it is not. No, like, it, you don't have to be miserable not. at your job. And I think people think that that is true and that you, if you're miserable, it's just part of life. But, but I, I don't, I don't believe in that. And if you're so, and if you're someone like me, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, like I was someone who my friends used to get annoyed with me because all I cared about, like, 
And I still do. But like all I talked about was work. My friends were at work and I was someone who woke up every day and loved to work. And when you realize that that's not happening, you know, it's time. And I really appreciate you guys um, listening to me. And I just I hope some like any of you can take something away from this because it happens to everyone. And, you know, I and hopefully this will help you guys notice it sooner than I did that, you know, it was time to really start making a change. So, Sarah, thanks for uh, turning turning this on me and making me do this. No, I, I honestly think this has been one of our most honest episodes. Yeah. I think it's good. I'm, I'm curious to hear the feedback and how it goes. So we usually do a segment at the end of these, and I'm trying to think of one on the fly because we didn't prep for this. And I'm wondering if we should do, like, biggest work pet peeve. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> so I'm like, as I'm I'll tell up, you mine. Okay, I can go. you go first because I, I feel like I know mine, but I'm going to let you So go there's first. a million things uh, – there's a million things I could say, but I think my biggest work pet peeve is when someone sends an email to all on like Microsoft Outlook, like and sends it to company wide and they don't mean to. And then everyone else responds like, please take me off this email chain. But then you get like 7,000 more. And I'm like, don't reply all to the, like the mistake reply all. I hate that when I yes. wake up and there's, you know, it's yes. like, and yes. it's like, and you want to kill that person. Yep. Because it starts this chain reaction. I Oh, my God. It drives me crazy. And it's funny. One of my engineers actually did it by accident. And, he, and we were, like, nailing him. Like, you were the person who did this. You like, did this. Stop. But yeah, you so did this. That's one of my biggest work pet peeves for sure. Yeah. No, I, I think I have two. And I'm actually going to refrain from saying one because <laughs> if the one person who does this <laughs> listens to this, then I'll feel really bad. So I'm going to go with the other one. <laughs> Which is meeting, scheduling a meeting with no context. Oh, geez. You're such a marketing person. You hate the sales team. (laughs) No, no. It's not even the sales team that's the biggest culprit. It's usually my own, like, I mean, my marketing organization is very big, so no one will know specifically who I'm talking about here, but it's usually within my own team, just like scheduling meetings that are unnecessary and you get on and chit-chatting about all the things and I'm like is there a purpose for this well unfortunately it's usually the most inexperienced people who do this and so sometimes so you mean like some coaching just be like so you mean like sending an out so sending an outlook invite with no like agenda no what the meeting's for I I, I don't necessarily even need an agenda play-by-play I just like if I'm being invited to a meeting, I just want to understand why I'm being invited to it. That's a good point. Like, really? Because uh, I think at least three times this week, I joined a meeting with no context or clue as to what, you're what it was. You're on your calendar, you're like, okay, it's there. And, I mean, honestly, I'll be fair, nine times out of ten, those meetings I just don't show up for because I've got things to do. And if I have no idea what this is, it's probably not a priority for me. But uh, <laughs> that sounds, sounds terrible. I actually hope none of my team is listening right now. But... <laughs> But, I mean, they, I've, I've been very vocal about my dislike of random meetings, but uh, we work, the way we work, it should not require random meetings. But anyway, that is one of my biggest pet peeves is meetings to talk about meetings. Meetings to talk about meetings. Meetings Let's, to plan the next meeting. Meetings meetings. to plan the next meeting. No, that's a good so, one. No, generally I, speaking, that's one of my biggest. <laughs> no, I think, I think this is good. And like I said, we really appreciate you guys uh, listening and let us know. If you have similar thoughts or you, you know, if there's something that we talked about that you want to dive a little deeper into, we really love, he- we actually really do love hearing from you guys. And one thing I actually wanted to point out when we were talking earlier was as Sarah and I started interviewing people the last, you know, few months or the last six months about their side hustles and, and 
jobs that they were doing and companies they started, it really motivated me to figure my stuff out. Like it, it really did. Cause we would hang up from the interviews and I would say, Whoa, like, it, I mean, it's really motivating, um, that when you guys reach out to us and, and have topics you want to talk about and things like that. So we really appreciate it. And please, if there's anything we talked about, let us know. Cause we'll bring you guys on like we've done in the past and, um, we yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram, entry level podcast, and we'll catch you soon. Thanks guys. <laughs>